Have you been diving deep into health and nutrition and want to learn more? Up for a chat, Sidney O'Meara and the Functional Nutrition Academy present to you the Intro to Nutrition course. This 10-week introductory program is the perfect kickstarter to help you gain knowledge, get empowered and develop a healthy relationship with food. To find out more and to get access to one of the world's leaders in nutrition, go to www.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash nutrition. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Hello and welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. My name is Marcus Pierce, and here I am with the co-founder of The Wellness Couch, and the wellness guys. He's, I want to call you the frugal financier, Mr. Damien Christoph. But I'm not frugal. No, no I'm not frugal. We love a bit of a spend and a yeah, bit of a yeah. keep money flowing. Yeah, given that I'll be the, clo- the one that's closest to retirement, if I was to retire, closer than you. And we, get, we should get there faster than what you do. Yep. I probably should heed the advice of what I'm about to get right now. At the same time, though, I can't imagine you actually really... I know you love golf, but I can't imagine you really truly retiring from educating and inspiring people about living the 100 not out lifestyle. Well, definitely not at this time in my life, but you know, you never know, 30 years time, 40 years time, I might go, you know what, it's time to uh, just play more golf. More golf? Yeah. Did you join the seniors tour? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> be pretty good. Now, money is not something we talk about a lot no, on 100 have... Not Out. Ever, um, really? Ever. It doesn't come into the conversation, and really that's because so many of our guests don't see money as the be-all and end-all of a great long life. But we yeah. also want to address that there are consequences mm. um, that, that may not be directly related to money, mm. but where money becomes a massive issue mm. if other things fall over. And so we thought we would go straight to the top, mm. to the founder of the Retirement Advice Centre. Uh, David Reed is a retirement advisor, certified retirement coach, financial planner. He's been good enough to join us all the way from Sydney. David Reid, thanks for joining 100 Not Out. Excellent. Thanks for having me. David, there's some alarming stats when it comes to retirement. Uh, Again, a lot of our guests, the living legends on 100 Not Out, never really retire from life. But there's a lot really to talk about here. And we don't want this to be a morbid interview, but we really want it to be real. Mm. Um, What for you and your experience is the most alarming either stat or lifestyle shift uh, that occurs for people when they retire? Yeah, look, I, I guess it comes uh, a lot down to what people's vision of retirement is. So in terms of statistics, um, anything that, I guess, um, is opposite what people are seeking um, is kind of confronting for them. So certainly when clients come in the door, the sort of things that we'll talk about, uh, like you just mentioned golf before. So that's quite often that we hear people say, well, what we'd love to do is now I have time, I can go out and play golf five days a week. Um, so um, psychologists have what they call continuity theory, that if you're not already doing it prior to um, a life change like retirement, it's highly unlikely that you're going to do it. So the average retiree, for example, spends about 49 hours a week watching TV. Um, Retirement's kind of the eighth most stressful time in a person's life. So these are significant issues that I guess we started in 2010 with a number of clients over 90 days saying, 
you know, we've really looked forward to this stage of life. But in hindsight, um, it wasn't as good as we expected it to be. It's, uh, it is amazing that uh, many people try to, you know, start a whole new life from scratch uh, without actually kind of ramping up into it. Um, I know in my family, many people go, I can't wait to retire because then when I've retired, then this will happen. Um, but unexpected circumstances can, you know, crop up, cancer, illness, um, you know, heart disease, you know, injuries to joints, all those sorts of things, which ultimately um, redirects the course of where their retirement is going to be. And, uh, and so how, how do you plan for those sorts of things, um, you know, way before retirement? How do you actually get in the mindset of, well, this is what I want to be doing when I get to 65, 70? Yeah, I mean, we spend a lot of time with our clients discussing, I guess, the six life arenas of retirement. Uh, they're going to include career. Is there, are there new things you want to do? Uh, we had a fellow that um, had been retired 18 months. He got made redundant from an executive position in the city. And one of the tools we use is kind of think about when you're back at uh, high school. It's your last day, but you know then what you know today. Kind of what exactly did you enjoy? For him, it was ancient history. So he ended up uh, enrolling at a nearby university doing ancient history, just one subject a semester. But then in between semesters, he'd go and fly to, you know, the Middle East or Egypt and places like that, just on the areas that he's been studying. And he finds that far more fulfilling rather than just a time-filling retirement. I guess that's the secret. And it expands into family, relationships, all of those sort of things, getting an understanding of what the picture and the jigsaw puzzle that is retirement, what it's going to look like ahead, and transition to it. So actually practice retirement well in advance of it occurring. As you rightly point out, it can be health, it can be redundancies, all of these sort of issues that make a sudden retirement. Um, yeah, it, it can be a far more stressful event than you would like it to be. You just mentioned, um, you know, one or two of the six arenas. Um, would you be kind enough to share with the listeners what those six are? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the, it ranges. Obviously, money is a significant one. Um, we then have uh, career. We then have hobbies, leisure. So what are you going to do in your time? I know we've touched a couple of times on golf, but people have so many other sort of activities that they would like to do, and it can be um, very fulfilling to them. Um, so in terms of um, we have travel, leisure, uh, everything that's fulfilling for that person, and I'm just pulling up my, my six here, so we have money, career and work, vacation, health and wellness. What are you doing? And personal vitality is what we spend a lot of time on talking with clients regarding health and well-being. Absolutely diet, joining the gym, etc. They're all important, but it's about what does your well-being look like? Who are you with in 10 to 15 years that you're going to need that vitality and vibrancy in your health? Is it going to be the grandkids? You're going to run around. That's where we see health and well-being. Family and relationships is a really important one. I know we've spoken um, briefly about stats, but kind of we see this not only in statistics. The level of divorces after 20 years or so of marriage in Australia has doubled from 13% to 28%. And it's a global phenomenon whereby we've seen in the US it's tripled and in the UK the level of divorce has tripled as well. 
what we, and this is a generalisation, but what we typically see if the male and the female person hasn't actually discussed what that vision of retirement around family and relationships are, it can really set opposites apart. So for males, generally speaking, research is showing a male considers this time of life to be more around travel, leisure, those sort of activities, whereas generally females will see it as volunteering, time to give back, time to spend with family. And if you have one vision of retirement that's polar opposite to the other and how they spend their time, you can see where these frictions start to arise. Then we have leisure, then we have um, personal development, which talks about that fulfilling hobbies, activities, education, etc. This is absolutely fascinating, David. We, uh, we ran an event on the weekend and we were talking about love languages. And uh, that, that comes down to the ability of a, a couple or two significant people uh, to be able to communicate to each other in a, in a way that they both understand and respect. But it seems like that there's, um, you know, there's more to talk about and more to engage in that many people just kind of gloss over. They kind of get stuck in the run-of-the-mill kind of daily activities, you know, home to work, work to home, home to work, work to home, and, uh, and forget about what's going to be happening in the future, different plans, and of course... That must have dire consequences on people's relationships, surely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's reflected in statistics. It also is reflected in, a, in just in anecdotal evidence with our business in terms of we prepare for such a, uh, a long duration in financial investing, etc. And then when we get nearer retirement, um, it is genuinely the case whereby sometimes people are saying, well, okay, I've got 30 plus years potentially in retirement now. This is a whole new phase of life. You know what? I've just spent the last 20 odd with you. Are you the person that I actually want to spend the next 30 years with? And that becomes a whole new question. And, and I know in, in, there's an advisor in the US that actually plays upon the whole prenuptial agreement whereby he will sit with his clients and say, you know what? I want you guys to go away and write up a pre-retirement agreement upon what your vision of retirement is actually going to look like. And there's actually a bit of common sense in it. Yeah, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. Um, Actually, I had a question. I've got it. It's come back to me. Um, How do we get this so wrong? Like, how do we get to the point that we think that it's, you know, we're living to 90 90 years old these days and, you know, we hope to live to 100, but we're supposed to finish work at 65, 70. How do we get that so wrong? It just seems crazy. Yeah, so, and I guess that's the whole, go back to the nexus of how retirement started. So it was actually um, a German Chancellor von Bismarck that that brought retirement about in 1883. Um, It was, uh, and what he did by doing so, he created the gold standard that first of all, once you got to a certain age, the government would pay you a pension. And then second of all, he created the gold standard that 65 was the age that you were deemed to be kind of old, so to speak. Back then, however, the life expectancy in Europe was actually um, 63, so you paid very, very few people. But nevertheless, when we look at today and what, what it's expanded upon, the life expectancy is 20 to 30 years plus age 65. So what does success look like? No one's really sat down and it doesn't get, I believe, it, this issue doesn't get the attention that it deserves of a lot of people today or tomorrow will spend more time in retirement than they do working, which is a whole new paradigm of what that next phase of life should be and how we prepare for that and what does success look like. Um, yeah, it, it's a big issue. Well, the other interesting thing, just when we're talking anecdotally, is that so many of the 
guests on 100 Not Out that we call the living legends. Mm. Um, they might retire from career, but they definitely don't retire from life. We've just mm. been interviewing um, one guest, Betty Green. She's mm. in her early 90s. Up there in New South Wales, Sydney, Hornsby. Yeah, up in Hornsby, going to the gym four days a week, going to craft, um, swimming, engaging with friends, neighbours, um, family. Mm. Definitely hasn't, hasn't retreated uh, from life. But all of this, I suppose, and, and, and a lot of the underlying... Um, consequence behind everything that we're talking about is that uh, and I know you've mentioned this briefly David is that the 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 challenge with every type of vision and everything that is left unsaid is that health often becomes the the beast in all of this it, health does not sustain itself for any length of time in retirement that seems to transcend in a negative consequential manner Everything from finance, family, all of those dreams and goals of retirement, of travel and all the freedom that you were speaking about that men want and all the volunteering and connection that women want. Health seems to be at the top of the tree because without it, none of that can be enjoyed. Absolutely. So um, there was a, a white paper written by academics on this many years ago um, that looked at the research around what is the, how, how do we predict the success of retirement well-being? And they rated down to, I guess, four priorities, if you will. Um, and a professor, Joanne Earle, from um, Flinders University has taken this research and expanded upon it in Australia. And um, what they found, and Joanne's similar research, showing that finance and health are two limited, if you will, retirement um, resources. So retirement resources inventory is essentially how they frame this white paper. And finance and health are interlinked. So if your health will decline, then typically so is your finances over time and that's quite logical to think that way. So having finance and health sort of prioritised well in advance what you're going to do, what that vitality looks like and the well-being. And then the next layer down is social. So what are the social implications of when I retire? And I guess um, and I, in, earlier this year I was in the American Society of Ageing Conference and social was probably the number one theme that they spoke about with such significance because we see such level of, you know, the first year of retirement is, it increases your chance of depression by 40%. And they made this sort of anecdote that I thought really resonates. On the social aspect, they made the point that it's kind of like being at the very first day of school um, and you're just looking for friends to sort of connect with because you've left, you know what I mean, your kindergarten friends, in this case your work friends, behind. So they're basically saying, look, you're, it's the first day of school, but you know what, you don't have hundreds of people running around you now, you've got to go and connect with the communities, and, and that is a significant issue. Um, and then finally, we've, the, the third tier down, they've kind of gone the cognitive, motivational and emotional resources. These are the key factors that predict your um, retirement well-being. So she has a website called retirementtips.org. Um, it's probably worth a visit as well. But nevertheless, uh, there are some really good academic papers around, around this research to kind of say that finance and health are your number one predictors of retirement success. That's fascinating. And there's, uh, there's, there's other predictors of, um, of ageing well as well, which, you know, whilst 
retirement success is incredibly important. Um, aging well is also incredibly important. So because, you know, you can retire and have success in retirement. But uh, of course, if you're not well, that's not good. So there's you've written here, we can see seven different uh, excellent predictors of aging well. Can we just go through those just, um, you know, relatively quickly? Because I think that really underpins what we've been speaking about with 100 Not Out. And for people listening, this is um, by age 50, if you've got these nailed, Yep. It's almost, we don't want to say it's a guarantee, but uh, if you're doing these at 50, you're going to feel very confident that you can uh, live with a great quantity and quality of life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So just the background on it, I guess, it's, it's, the, it's the world's um, longest um, aging study in history. So it started in 1939 at Harvard Medical School. They followed 268 students. Um, until their 80s and, and a professor called George Valent um, picked up after the wars just the study and, and kept it moving um, and essentially what they found that were these predictors that included a stable marriage, a mature adaptive character, no smoking or stopping when you're young, absence of alcohol abuse, uh, regular exercise, maintenance of normal weight and intellectual well-being and they touch upon how brains have plasticity throughout life and as long as you keep using them, then you know I mean, it'll it'll continue to function just as you would you would hope. So, by those factors, they were actually excellent predictors of those that, as they age above fifty, um, they were in the happy to well group and equal to those in the top quartile once they were age eighty. I guess the the big issue that that we point out when when we speak of these factors, and this is the good news. They are all in your control. We're not talking about ancestry, how long your parents lived, what health they had, etc., etc. What we're looking at here are seven factors to say, you know what, you've got complete control over all of these seven issues. So I'm going to just repeat these and then ask you a question. So people listening can literally give themselves a cross or a tick on this. A stable marriage, a mature adaptive character, no smoking or stopping when you're young. Thank God I stopped when I was 25. Um, Absence of alcohol abuse, regular exercise, maintenance of normal weight and intellectual well-being. The one that I would love to just ask you a question on, because I'm sure you see this all the time and I kind of feel like this is really why the personal growth industry exists, is number two, a mature adaptive character. I'm just going to put it out there and suggest that many people in society are not adaptive to the changes. Again, just speaking to Betty recently, she's lost three of her eight children. Mm. Most parents would say the worst thing that could happen in life is to bury a child. Mm. She's 92, she's buried three, but she sounds as bright as a button. And she said that she adapts because of the social networks that she has around her. I have no doubt, David, that in your daily life, you come um, across clients that aren't adaptive to the changing uh, nature and scenery of their life. How do you encourage that to people that really find that difficult? Absolutely. It's, it's all about attitude. I heard George Valence speak, um, I think it was last year, and he two points upon that very factor. He sees um, it's good you identified it because that's probably one of the, his, key, uh, he, his key views. And he, and he summed his talk up by saying, you have to have the attitude of making lemonade out of lemons. Just because you're older, just because you think you've got everything lined up and all your ducks in a row as you age quite nicely, there are always going to be mishaps, accidents, illnesses, everything else that's going to happen along the way. So having the attitude and foresight to be resilient and saying, look, you know what, there's a you know, silver lining to all of this. 
that is probably one, if not the key attitude driver in terms of aging well overall. I love this. Now, just getting to the duck's guts of it, David, because, um, you know, at the end of the day, you've got to have money to survive, um, particularly in Australia. Uh, my mum's been a single, single parent for most of her life. She's worked on a very low income for a long time, and she's managed to save lots of money. She's bought and pretty much owns her house in a really good suburb in Melbourne. Um, her and her new partner have just finished building a, a, a nice little place, country retirement property, um, out on the water. And, uh, and because she's got two assets she won't be able to receive a pension. And, and she's got a very small superannuation fund, very small, because superannuation, you know, for a long time in her career, she never received because of the way in which she was employed. And, uh, and so you kind of go, how is she meant to survive? And, and how much money should she have in order to survive? And how does she do it? Should she liquidate? Is that the sort of thing that people could consider doing? Or should, should people be finding other ways to you know, get an income? Should she maintain her work life? What should she be doing? Yeah, that's, and, and I guess this is the interesting part around retirement advice, and that's why we specialise in this area um, and focus upon it so uniquely. Each household is very, very different. Um, so, and, and look, it could be, um, you know, just, just Centrelink. Centrelink can be great in terms of advice. Uh, it could be a financial planner that you trust. Um, but I would suggest someone that, that has expertise um, to give insight as to what options are on the table and then you can make an informed choice. It's more, more about weighing up the pros and cons. Well, if I sell the investment property and it's going to impact my Centrelink or it's going to benefit Centrelink, what, you know, I don't want to spend sort of a dollar to pick up 50 cents. Um, so getting advice in this area is extremely crucial. Um, there, there are just so many options available. What, what you'll see over the next 30 days are, are something called um, lifetime income streams being promoted by the government. Um, so we're going to see more innovation that what I would suggest are kind of Centrelink friendly in a way as investment structures. Who offers them and everything else? Well, we'll wait and see. But it's more a case that what the government's trying to do is provide a safe layer of income that's unrelated to the stock market, so to speak, that gives you certainty of income both of being able to pay for bread and milk each week, but also as you age and longevity risk becomes more and more apparent with an aging population, it's going to follow you for a lifetime of income. So we're going to see more innovation. They potentially can benefit you in terms of the Centrelink rules and touching upon those assets and income tests. Um, and then just, yeah, getting external advice. And look, yeah, absolutely, Centrelink can be quite good. If, um, if you have an advisor that you trust, then I would suggest seeking their advice as well. The rules change as 1st of January 2017, um, and that's going to impact a, a really significant amount of people, whether it's reducing. Um, in some cases, it may increase their age pension, but for the majority, I would suggest it's going to reduce, and in some cases, eliminate totally their their uh, age pension. So there's significant headwinds ahead. Mm. Well, David, we're going to be biased and suggest to our listeners that they call the Retirement Advice Centre. Uh, your number there is 1300 78 If you go, listeners, to Smart Retirement 
www.afa.com.au. You'll observe that David and the team were the winner of the 2015 AFA Advisor of the Year, 2015 Most Trusted Advisors, Most Recommended Advisor, um, and many other awards. There's a wonderful ebook available there, 50 Tips for Over 50s um, by David, and there's plenty of great resources at the website smartretirement.com.au. That number again, one three hundred seven eight double five double seven. the Retirement Advice Centre. David, thanks again so much for your wisdom. No doubt we can have uh, many chats on many different topics because this, um, this issue is not going away. It's something that is at the forefront of people's minds uh, the older we get. And again, thanks for what you do and the wisdom that you share. Sincerely appreciated. Thanks very much for having me. That's it, guys, for this edition of 100 Not Out. You can find out more at thewellnesscouch.com forward slash 100 Not Out. There'll be plenty of resources in the show notes to take advantage of what's been shared on this episode. To find out more about what Damien and I are up to, go to damienchristoff.com, myself, marcuspierce.com.au. And if you've loved this episode, Damien would love you to give a five-star rating. It does allow the podcast to be distributed globally, internationally, right around the world. Thanks again for your support of 100 Not Out. And until next time, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.